couple of weeks, we've been talking about evangelizing, speaking to others. The I am Andrew, remember? I am Andrew. Last week, Claire brought um, that great message of being real in our community, in our families, and telling people about Jesus. And I can just, just follow on that same theme, because as of next week, we're going into the Christmas programs, and this is the proper last sort of preach, if you like, before we go into the Christmas stuff. So, just, uh, if you've got your Bibles, look, we're going to look at Mark 16, and we're going to look at Matthew 28. Mark 16, this is, uh, both are given in the same account of after the resurrection, Jesus met the disciples and he gave them instructions. And this is what Mark 16 says, verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. That's we told the disciples. Matthew 28, Matthew's version, verse 19 and 20. He said, therefore, Jesus did, therefore, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This was um, Jesus' command. This was his instructions to his followers. It's known as the Great Commission. Some people think it's the Great Suggestion. It's not a suggestion. We are commissioned to go. And so, if you want to put a title on this message, it's go. Jesus said, go. He told us to make this happen. He told us to get out of here, to leave, go. He didn't say stay. He said go. Incidentally, they didn't go. They stayed in Jerusalem. And God has got ways of making people go. And a lot of persecution came to Jerusalem, and they were scattered everywhere. They had to go. They went. So I want to look at three things. When Jesus said, go and preach the gospel. How, where, and what do we do when we get there? So, first of all, how. Well, how is easy, isn't it? How do we, how do we speak about Jesus? When he says, go, he doesn't mean think about it for a while. He doesn't say, pray about it. He didn't say, consider whether you should. It's all about go. You know, when, when God acts, He acts very quickly. There's a lot of preparation, but it's also very quick. There's a lot of suddenlies in the Bible. I did a bit of a study on that once, the suddenlies of God. He acts very quickly when He wants to. Right now, there's a lot of that in the Bible. And with haste, there's a lot of that in the Bible. They're all biblical words. You know, we, we will always have prayer. We will always have preparation. And they come a lot before God suddenly. But before this go, we don't need to pray about it. We don't need to pray about, shall I tell someone about Jesus? It goes without saying. We've been told that's what we do. You know, Jesus' ministry wasn't, wasn't long. He didn't hang around. It took him three years to fulfill his ministry. Although there was a lot of preparation beforehand. 
There's been a lot of preparation before we can go. That's already done. The preparation's already been. The preparation's already done. That's why we don't have to prepare. We just go. Jesus said this. Luke 9, verse 59 to 62. Then he, that's Jesus, he said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And then still another one said to him, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. It's not a time for looking back. It's not a time for contemplating. We are in the go time. This is the go time. When Jesus said, go. Go and tell people about me. And we heard this last week. And we heard it the week before. It's what Andrew did. He went and got people. Told them about Jesus. The woman at the well. When Jesus met her. First thing she did was she went. She left Jesus and said, come let me show you a man. The only way is forward. Stop looking back. We can't look back with regret. Even as a church, we can't look back at where we once were as a church, what our building was like. Oh, it was great there. We didn't have any of these pews. It was fantastic. We were all together. It was, oh, it was far better. We used to meet in the morning or the afternoon. I've had all of this said to me. And sometimes we're looking back with regret. It's gone. We've got to look forward. You know, personally, we've got to look forward. We can't be looking back. Because if you put your hand to the plow and look back, the plow would go off course. And Jesus said, you've got to keep looking forward. You've got to go forward. No hurts, no failures, no rights or wrongs, no successes, no regrets. That's all gone. Let's look what we're going to do in the future. Let's look forward. Paul said this, Romans 13, verse 11, verse 12. He said, I do this. Understand the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. The night is nearly over. In other words, it's nearly time for the return of Jesus Christ. They were saying that then. It's more relevant now than ever. When we look at the signs of the times, when we look around the world, when we see all the prophecies that have been fulfilled, the night is nearly over. The time for Jesus Christ's return is sure. So we need to wake up from our slumber. Because we can just be taking it easy, can't we? We can be in that, in that place of, of comfort. It's the I'm all right, Jack. I'm okay. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I know I'm going to be with him. That's not the attitude, Jesus said. No, go. Don't slumber. Don't go back. Don't look back. There's a job for you to do. The time is short. So we need to go forward. We need to keep our eyes forward. Stop looking back. You know, 
I've said it so many times, and you know it. Good news, you want to share it. You want to you tell people the good news. What better news than this? Jesus Christ. I said earlier, people just dismiss him these days. You can't just dismiss him. This is the best time of year to talk about Jesus than any other time. Maybe Easter is a good time. But this time of year, people talk about Jesus. They might not do it because they believe in him, but they might do it because of Christmas, because of nativities. They've gone to the school to see their kids in a nativity play, and the baby Jesus fell out of the manger, and, and they're talking about it. So in your place of work, you can say, yeah, isn't that fantastic? God gave us Jesus. You bring it into conversation, but you bring the reality of it. It's so easy to talk about him, especially this time of year, the good news of the gospel. People with good news are beautiful, aren't they? When someone brings you good news, it doesn't matter what it's about. You go, oh, oh, I love you. Thank you. You know, yesterday I, I was on my own listening to some football on the, on the TV and the radio. I had them synced up to see if I can get the good commentary. Man United beat Man City. I loved it. If there was a, anybody was come into that room when I was listening to that, I would have hugged them. Because it's good news. Not for everybody, I know, but it was good news for me. I know when my, when my daughters were born, I was hugging the nurses. I was hugging the doctors. Let me tell you something. Just the, um, just the other week, my mom went to see uh, the surgeon who did her heart operation. Um, it was a major heart operation. He was the only one who would do it. So, I know that we prayed and God used him to save her life. She met his understudy. She was quite disappointed. She said, oh, I wanted to see the main man. She said, well, and he said, well, I'm sorry, he's, he's busy at the moment, but I just want to tell you what you're doing okay and this and the other. And she, she walked out of the room and my sister was was with was with her and a door opened and out from the theater just finished theater scrubbed up come out um he, he, he's obviously tidy there was no blood or anything on him he wasn't like that you know <laughs> i'm just thinking you're not getting that no you're not getting that picture of you he'd walked out and my mom seen him and the, the his understudy said oh that's Mr. Matter, I think his name was. That's Mr. Matter. There, he's the one who did your surgery. My ma I said, what do you do, ma'am? She said, I ran up to him and I hugged him. And she said, I just hugged him. And she said, I had tears in my eyes. And, and she said, I want to thank you for what you've done for me. And she said, he was a bit overwhelmed. He was like, wow. That's what it's like with Jesus. We just want to tell people this good news. You You've got something fantastic. Hug the person in work tomorrow morning. Say, Jesus loves you. Wow. You might get sacked. I don't know. <laughs> no, don't do it then. Just tell them. But the thing is, this message that we have, it doesn't belong to us. It's for everyone. We can't get too precious over this. We can't hide this. It's not a secret, the, the message says that, the message version. It's not a secret to be hidden away. This is something to be shouted from the rooftops. 
tell people it's not for us. It's for everyone. Paul put it a bit like this in Romans 10, verse 13, down to 15. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how shall they ask him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they haven't heard of him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them unless someone sends them? That's us. This is what the scriptures here are talking about when they say, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace with God and bring glad tidings of good things. In other words, how welcome, this is the, the Living Bible translation actually. In other words, how welcome are those who come preaching God's good news? People who bring good news, people who do good things, they're beautiful. You have in you. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, you have good news. You're able to share it. That's what we do. The best way of sharing it, and I'll come along onto that in just a moment, how you can best share Jesus. But where? Where? Where's the best place to do this? We always tend to leave it to others, don't we? We're in, the, in that sort of category now where, oh, so-and-so's really good at this. You know, I'm not, I'm not a very good chatty person with new people, especially new people. If I meet them, I, I you know, even, even my friends, I, I'm not, you know, that chatty. I, I'd rather sit for a little while and, you know, I'll tell a few jokes. You know, that's me. I do that, you know. Don't get into very deep conversation. Karen, on the other hand, she, she's a people person. You know, if we go to a, a party or something or, or, or even a family thing, I'll say, Karen, don't go too far from me now because you can talk. I can just nod, mm, yeah, mm, you know. And, you, and, and this is what we like, well, we, so-and-so's really good at chatting and talking. I'm not very good. It's not my job. I don't think, when Jesus said, go and preach the gospel, he wasn't talking to me, obviously. He was talking to the chatty ones. Oh, no, 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 no. He's talking to everyone. Because when he says, go into all the world, what he is saying is, Go into your world and preach the gospel in your world to those people that are in your world. We tend to leave it to pastors and evangelists and preachers. It doesn't mean that you've got to go to the farthest flung parts of the world, the earth. Just your world, your sphere of influence. Who do you talk to every day? And it's surprising the influence you have on people and you don't really know? You've heard me tell you a story so many times, and I've used this illustration a few times, about a man I used to work with when I was in the prison. And he was a rough, riff sort of guy. Um, well, they all were, really. That's not, that's not the inmates, that's the officers. They were all pretty rough. I was like a jewel amongst all the... <laughs> I wasn't that rough. But I used to say to him, Grant, you know, I used to get my Bible out to read it occasionally in, in the office. And when I left, I wrote in, in this Bible, 
John 3, 16 right at the beginning. And I said, read that. I just left him with it. And as I walked out, he said, and I, can you remember me saying this? He said, I'm going to walk out with you. I'm going to walk to the gate with you. I said, why do you want to do that? He said, because I walked in with you. He said, when you started 25 years ago, I walked out with you. I want to walk, I walked in with you. I want to walk out with you. I'd been telling him about Jesus for years. And I never thought it had any influence on him whatsoever. I had an occasion to go to the prison last week. Went down, went into the, into the prison to see someone. And as I was sitting there, in walked this guy, the officer. He walked in, he said, what are you doing back in here? I said, oh, well, I'm on the other side this time, not, not behind the bars. <laughs> I'm visiting someone. I was in civvies, he was in his uniform. But in the middle of the visits area, he walks up and he just gives me this massive bear hug. He's a big guy. Massive bear hug. He says, oh, it's good to see you. He says, you know I emailed you after the fire? I said, I know you did. And he emailed me saying, and he said something like, listen, it was for us all, not just for me. He said, you will get through this because you believe passionately in what you believe in. And if everyone in your church believes the same as you, I know you'll get through it. And I thought, I didn't realize what influence I'd ever had in his life. I thought I didn't scratch the surface with him. But he sat there talking to me for ages. And I said to him, I use you a lot in my stories when I'm speaking. And he goes, do you? And I said, yeah. You don't know. When you just drop those little things into people's lives. You know what's happening in their life. Do you know what you're doing when you do that? You're preaching the gospel. It's you, it's your life, it's everything about you. It's not just your words, it's how you live your life in front of people. It's what you say to them, it's those little gems that they remember, they pick up. It's your world. It's your sphere of influence. Peter said this, 1 Peter 3 and verse 15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Have you ever come across those people who, who, are, who think witnessing is shouting at people, telling them they're going to go to hell? You're going to go to hell if you don't wash yourself in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, and they're like, whoa. You know? Gentleness and respect. In other words, love. Love people. Love people to life. When people see you and you, that you're talking about Jesus, they want to know that you respect them. And you're not, you don't think you're better than them. Even if they got some weird views. I remember speaking to someone once and I was telling them about Jesus. And they said, oh, do you know what I, I believe? And I went, yeah, tell me. And he went on about aliens and spacemen and stuff like this and I went hmm, it's very interesting but I didn't say oh that is a lot of rubbish which it is I said no oh, very interesting now let me tell you what I believe tell them about Jesus you see people have a belief system they all believe something so get what you believe in there because what you believe is the truth and the truth sets people free. 
You see, when we go and when we talk to these people that we work with in our families, in our street, it's rela relational. You go to someone. We're not told to go to the masses. We're not told to gather a crowd in a big auditorium and preach to them. That's not what it means. It means go to that person. It's a mission to a person. It's a commission to your world, to the people you bother with, to your family. Even the big events like we've been talking about coming up next year, this Billy Graham event, even those events rely on relationship. They rely on people to bring people. They rely on people to mentor or disciple those people. They'll say, look, we'll put the event on, but it's up to you. It's the same with, with us here on Sundays. We come to worship. You don't have to bring people here to get saved, to, to find Jesus. They can find Jesus in your office, in your factory, in your workplace, in your college, wherever they, they are, in the coffee shop. It's not, oh, I've got to take someone somewhere. It's relational. It's you telling them about Jesus. Why? Because they trust you. I don't know what to say this, but maybe, yeah, okay. I went to meet someone for coffee the other day. And as I walked down through town, there was a guy shouting on the street corner, and he was doing exactly what I just said. You're going to go to hell unless you come to Jesus. I believe it. I believe that. But I saw people doing this. Oh, God. Mothers were grabbing their kids and walking like that. I think there is a, there's a time for that. But I think that the, the most effective way today is relational. Talking to them about Jesus. So, I've got a question here. And I, I don't know why I, I phrase it like this. And it's just like, do what? You want me to do what? You want me to preach? You want me to get up and stand up and preach in the middle of my office, in my world, in my sphere of influence? I don't think that's what Jesus meant here. Because when you look up that word preach, it means to proclaim. It means to speak. It means to talk. It means to discuss. We're all able to do that. So in other words, we are all preachers. We're all able to do that. We're all able to talk. We're all able to discuss things. You don't have to have three points, a, a, a middle, a, an end, a, a conclusion. You don't have to have an appeal. You know, when you're telling that person in your office about Jesus, and they say, oh, I, I'd, I'd like to perhaps know a bit more. Just a minute, let me just put these music on. Just as I am with and then all of a sudden you go, can you raise your hand if you want? You don't have to do all that. You don't have to say, right, could you get out of your seat and, and come towards me, please, so I can pray for you. You don't have to do any of that. Sometimes we think all these things is the way to salvation. But it's not. It's someone saying, I want Jesus. 
I remember praying with someone in work once. And I, and I sat in an office with them. And I don't, I don't even know if they're still following Jesus. But I said, look, they'd asked me to pray for them. I said, look, I don't mind praying for you. I said, but I want to introduce you to the one who I'm praying to. So I introduced them to Jesus. I said, would you like to accept Jesus Christ into your life right now before we pray? And this person said, yeah. So I did. And we prayed the prayer. That was it. Never mentioned it again after that. I don't know what happened to her, whether or not she followed on afterwards. I don't know. But it's, it was no big thunder and lightning moment. It was just me sharing Jesus. And that's what he said. Go and preach the gospel. Go and tell people the good news about me. That's what you need to do. He didn't say, go and have a Bible study. He didn't say, go and have a prayer meeting. He didn't say, go and arrange a conference. He said, go and tell people about me. Go and preach the gospel. So the most important thing we could ever do is tell people about Jesus. Yeah, but you might say, well, I, I don't know much about the Bible. Um, I'm not that good at at explaining these things and you know if they ask me questions I'm not that good at explaining those things do you know what you are good at talking about yourself talking about your own experience tell people why you love Jesus tell people what he's done for you you see very often when you when you read through the early church when Peter and, and the other apostles stood up to preach. A lot of it was their experience of what has happened. This is what's happened to me. Do you know what? No one can take that away from you. No one can take away your experience. Just tell them your story. You are a living example. So, preach the gospel by telling them about Jesus and what he's done for you. And if they say, well, I got a question, say, well, I, I don't know the answer to that, but I, I, I'll go and find out. I'll ask, I'll ask someone or I'll look it up. The number one thing is the good news of Jesus. Romans 1 and verse 16. Paul said this. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then the Gentile. Not ashamed, the power of God for salvation. Not ashamed of the gospel. Don't ever be ashamed or embarrassed about Jesus. When you speak about him, don't let people shout you down. Stand up. Speak about him with enthusiasm. You know, if you're going to tell people about Jesus, they're not going to be drawn to that if you're going, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah. And you're doing it like that. And yeah, yeah. You go to church, do you? Oh, yeah, 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 when I can, yeah, yeah. Be enthusiastic about it. It's the best thing I've ever done. It's fantastic. I remember someone saying to me once when I was with that Motley crew, when I used to work, Oh, you're the one who believes in God, are you? 
He said, in front of all these other guys, oh, you're the one that believes in God, you? Obviously, they've been talking about me. I don't know why. And I went, oh, you're the one that doesn't believe in God, are you? And he went, what do you mean? I said, wow, you must have a lot of faith. What do you believe in then? I, I don't believe in anything, he said. I said, well, you've got a lot of faith, I said. At least I believe in God. And I just turned it back on him. And we had a discussion. And all, and all the other guys are still around going, yeah, watching this. Like, it was like tennis back and forth. <laughs> but they were there listening. You know? Just talk about him. Yeah, you may get a few laughs. You may, you may be mocked, but never be ashamed. Speak with authority. Speak with passion. Speak with pride. Honor. This is who I believe in. I'm not ashamed of who I am. I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. You can't just dismiss him. Ah, oh, I don't believe it. I very often said that to some people when they say to me, Ah, oh, I just don't believe it. How can you just say you don't believe it when some of the most intelligent people in the world have been Christians and followers of Jesus Christ? But you just dismiss him like that. Yeah, well, well, well yeah, well, yeah, whatever, yeah. Don't get into an argument. Don't do that. But stand up for what you believe in. With joy. Be happy about it. God has entrusted this message to us. And all you've said to us is, go. Go and preach the gospel. Go and preach the gospel. And make disciples. Just very briefly on this to finish. What are disciples? Disciples are followers. Those that follow him. Those who learn from him. Go and make disciples, he said. You know, we can, can we mentor and, or disciple someone who's not yet a Christian? course we can. So when you're talking to that person, have, I'm not going to say target, but have an aim. We talked, didn't we, at, uh, at the I Am Andrew, and we had little prayer cards. Put someone's name on there. Pray for that person. Say, I'm going to get you for Jesus, you know. Pray for them. Every opportunity, talk to them. Invite them along to things. If they're not yet Christians, you can be discipling them. Jesus had young guys around him who weren't his followers before. In fact, he said to one of them in John 14 and verse 9, he said, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been with you such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? I've been with you a while now. Don't you know me? He was with these young men who didn't really know him. They were following him. But he was discipling them as they were going on life's journey. So that person you're working with or you're praying for or you're just dropping into conversation now and again how much Jesus has done for you and how much you love him, you're discipling that person. You may not think it, but you are. You're the friend. They trust you. What was that? <laughs> Everyone's going, not me. The thing is, when 
It's lovely when you come to, come to Christ. And if you've ever had an opportunity to be able to lead someone to Jesus, oh my word, just pray with them to accept Jesus Christ into their life. It's fantastic. And then the enthusiasm that goes with that. It's, it's, and I've heard people say this to me before. It's like a light being switched on. Once in darkness, now in light. It's literally like that. People see things differently. They go, wow. And there's a difference. I, I just had a drink of water. And, and it just came to my mind just then. As I was drinking, I could still smell on my hands the anointing oil. When I anointed Stephen earlier. And it reminded me of when Jesus was anointed by that woman who brought and broke the, the alabaster box. When he went to the cross, the fragrance of that anointing was still on him. And it reminded me that when we come to him, when we accept Jesus Christ, the Bible says that we are to God the fragrance of Christ. It lingers. He adores that fragrance. And that's what he wants. He wants everyone to come to know him. Let me tell you a story. This has happened just yesterday or the day before. I'm talking about fragrance. I don't know whether I won't tie this in, but I'll try. I was, I was in Debenhams walking around to look for something inspirational to get for Karen for Christmas. And I don't know if you like me. I don't know if you like me. As you go in, you cannot walk past all the perfumes and that without having a little test, yeah? <laughs> do you do that? I undid all my shirt. <laughs> Everywhere. So I back up. I was upstairs. I happened to walk into the men's section as well to have a look what they had. And I'm not kidding you. This actually happened. I was looking at some shirts or whatever. This woman walked past me. This is what she did. She went. She walked back. She went, you smell lovely. <laughs> I went, thank you very much. She said, what is that? I said, I don't know. I just put everything on downstairs. <laughs> she said, I was going to ask you what it is. I said, oh, it's a mixture. I've got to try tie that in now in my preach. I was talking about fragrance, wasn't I? The, we are the aroma of Christ. That's what it is. That's where I got it from. But it's right. When we come to Jesus, that, that fragrance is around us. And God does that double take. Ah, it's Jesus. He wants everyone to come to the knowledge of salvation. And do you know he's trusted that too? Us. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you. Oh, for this responsibility.